0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast, the podcast focusing on Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And Derek, uh, the background looks a bit different than usual. What's uh, what's been going on?
1: Uh, Yeah, so uh, actually uh, me and my girlfriend moved into a new place this weekend. So um, the new background behind me is... uh, The only corner of the apartment that doesn't have Ikea furniture and discarded random cardboard boxes that we picked up from the LCBO instead of buying actual boxes, um, that are scattered all over the floor. So it's kind of like the one we, I actually built the bed just for the sole purpose of having it in the background for the podcast. Um, so it's uh, that's kind of the state that we are in right now. Um, as, yeah. So a uh, tough, tough decision on my part to pick the movement date being the MLR conference final weekend. Um, that was a, that's a, that was a tough call on my part. I uh, yeah. um, definitely made a, uh, made a rugby viewing a little less, a uh, little less simple um, during, uh, during this week. Uh, but uh, Stu, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you're going to tell me about all the uh, wonderful and amazing things that happened and uh that uh happened in the mlr this weekend and well, canada, canada won. i checked yeah, I, yeah canada won two that's always yeah. good, that was, yeah, a good
0: that, that was a good start for the weekend it's uh seeing the uh canadian women's uh 15s team getting another victory that's uh always love to see we'll be talking about that later but as uh derek so kindly mentioned it was the weekend of the conference finals And we were awarding the new conference champions for both the East and the West. And we'll start up with the West. So this was Houston versus Seattle. i almost had San Diego in my notes. That would have been
1: embarrassing. I Um, I was the one that moved. That was distracting all weekend. So just to confirm, I am aware that it was. Um, Houston and Seattle. Houston had an advantage in their first ever playoff game, too.
0: Yeah, and so with all the confusion about disqualification and teams being out, this um, was obviously a great promotion for Houston as well to um, go from being the eliminator team to the conference hosts, so to speak. This is also the first um, Western conference um playoff game to be hosted in texas as well and uh, it started off well for the hosts it uh, basically came to a head there was a bit of like a handling error and then before you knew it um Koza was on the ball getting up field and scoring the first try within six minutes and Yeah, I don't know, maybe it was the Texas heat and humidity that just got to Seattle, you know, they're so used to being in the Pacific Northwest where it's rain or more rain as the weather goes. Um, But yeah, it took a a little bit of a while for um, uh, Seattle to get on the board, but when it happened, of course, it was who else but AJ Alatimu getting uh, the first penalty. And you are going to be seeing a lot of Alatimu uh, throughout this game. Of course, Seattle fans already know this. They're not surprised at all that Alatimu was uh, coming in clutch. Um, but yeah, Alatimu scored uh, four conversions and two penalties. So, you know, not as much as he scored last week, but, you know, a good amount like four, 14, 14 points. That's, you know, nothing to... So, and the only reason why he scored four conversions and not five because Smith's try was a automatic seven-pointer, so, you know, don't need to do it, but you know seattle proving to the rest of mlr why you should never count them off uh, no matter how well they did or how poorly they did during the season if they can make it to the playoffs they are going to no matter how they
1: poorly they did during the season no matter how eliminated from the playoffs they are they will find <laughs> a way to get it done and make it the, make the final no matter yeah absolutely and
0: you know it's it was a high scoring game by both sides obviously one side scored a lot higher than the other but if this had been a regular season game, both teams would have walked away with a try bonus point. Um, Dyer um, got two for uh, Houston in the 47th minute, and that was when it looked like Houston were closing the gap on Seattle. They would only be five points adrift. But then Mahola got over, then it was Neil, and then it was Matthews for his second, and those were all within the space of five minutes, and that, that was the nail in the coffin, so to speak. That, and then... The only other score um, after that was Dyer's uh, consolation try in the uh, 75th minute. And yeah, by that point, too little, too late. Um, but, you know, it's a fantastic performance by Seattle. You know, commiserations to Houston. I've got to say, Houston, probably one of the, probably the most improved team um,
1: from last season. And so... They went from last place to uh, winning the Western Conference, officially.
0: Yeah, and even the West- if... <laughs> but that's the thing, even if, even if it hadn't been for the disqualifications, you still would have had Houston making the playoffs. They would. And whilst you can say like, oh, Seattle um, benefited from this disqualification, San Diego benefited from another disqualification. You know, uh, Houston have definitely got to hold their heads high at the end of uh, all of this. I mean, obviously, they would like to be flying out to New Jersey to be taking on um, the championship final by the way, spoilers. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, as in you know uh, when the we I mean when we were talking um, during the off season last year of like the sweeping change of like a new director of rugby, new head coach,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: uh, Sabre box as they became known due to their influx of uh, South African players. and you know can't argue with the results. they uh, clearly were, much improved, you know, first game, beat the defending champions. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, you know, obviously there's a premature end to the season that they are in this position, but, you know, great platform to be in at uh, the end of 2022. You know, as I've said before, it's the off season. That's when the real work begins. Sure, players will be going off to um, international duty. Or back to South Africa for a bit of R &R. and (laughs) R. South Africa, (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, I guess most
1: probably would be to do that. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, we have the draft coming up in August, and I'm sure um, deals are being made and like ideas of um, who they're scouting, of who they want to be uh, with the squad next season. Um, And then, of course, you have to like look at Seattle as well, a team that um, played Houston and you know beat houston last time as well but obviously it's like they won they won the battle but lost the war it felt in that game with uh, houston claiming the uh, bonus points that they needed and then all of a sudden you find out that uh, austin are disqualified and you're back into the mix and you'll be going down to houston for the uh, uh eliminator match and then you find out another team uh, <laughs> of la are disqualified and now you're hosting the eliminator match and you know, And yeah, as in, obviously, from history, we've seen that as soon as Seattle make the playoffs, they know what their goal is, they know what they need to do, and they've um, had the means to achieve it. And, you know, they're proving it again. They're not just, uh, oh, it's like early days, we'll be able to get through it all. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think, I think, obviously, the idea of the disqualifications is going to hang over this championship series. There's like no two ways to it, but you can only play who's in front of you. And I think that uh, Seattle have put on two fantastic games. And uh, Houston coming in as uh, the Western Conference uh, final hosts, you know, another fantastic thing. The uh, only uh, MLR stadium that is designed for rugby. And, you know, I think that's a good thing to have them in the mix, if you hope so primarily
1: designed for yeah yeah like the you know, intended it's, it's nice it's nice when you own your own stadium right oh yeah absolutely that's a huge benefit um also i think like it's it's kind of fun like as the league grows to see like some teams kind of getting like nicknames and stuff like you know we had the uh you know like as it kind of goes through like we've kind of seen like old glory has seemed to be leaning into like the flags a little bit this year um and, uh, you know, like I've seen like New Jersey, all blacks have started to pop up a lot on social media. Yeah. Which I think it's just kind of a joke. Obviously, there's the uh, there's the like the if you're a, been an MLR fan since the beginning, Rain City, Dickfish is starting to come back up for Seattle, which is fun, too. But I feel like and then there's obviously a whole host of names that um, L.A. and Austin are being called right now, which I probably can't repeat on the podcast. <laughs> um, but then uh, but I think by far the best one is Sabrebox. Yeah. Like that is the best. That's that is arguably that's better than most of the names in MOR. Um, and it's just a fun <laughs> fan given team nickname. Um, but yeah, like I said for the for this weekend, like yeah, I, I was moving. Um, so I didn't really get as much of a chance to dive into, um, the game as much as I would have liked. But like, per- when I got the chance to like check the scores and stop watching this game, um, uh, every time I checked social media, it was just like everybody raving about AJ Alatimu, um who's obviously
0: yeah
1: he's I mean if 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 a guy like Waka is gonna win like MVP like for the regular season then like Alatimu for the first two games is the front run going into the final right now is definitely the front runner for playoff MVP. Um and yeah like it's it's uh he's just had an unreal playoff and uh like you said too like um you know Seattle's just they You know, obviously they're the two-time champions, they're the first two champions, and they just seem to be a team that figures out how to get it done in the playoffs. Like, and even like and even mathematically eliminating them apparently doesn't stop them from getting (laughs) done in the playoffs either. So like, yeah, they're, they're playing well. And like you said, like you kind of said, right. It's like, um, I know this is going to be a discussion that we're going to get into a little bit later based on some fan questions, but as you said, like you play who's in front of you. Right. So it's like that ah, Seattle is in the playoffs and now that they're there, like they are making the, like, they're kind of playing with house money really Um, based on, you know, obviously they're there because two teams got disqualified, but they're making the most of the opportunity. Right. Um To have, been by far the best team um, in both the games that they've played um, from the looks of it too. Right. So, you know, that's, that's obviously great to see. And, um, you know, they, they just keep kind of finding a way, a way to get it done. Obviously a bit of a challenge going into next week. Cause it's going to be a 9am Pacific time kickoff, mm-hmm. um, which you know, um, it's one of those uh, one of those kind of pros and cons things. I think for the MLR, obviously the big pro there is, yeah, it's on Fox. It's going to be on the main network, um, which is outstanding for the league. But obviously, because of that, Fox is you know maybe gets to dictate a little bit about what time um, that game actually kicks off at. I know, I think there's um, a USFL game later later in the yeah. uh, the, uh, the afternoon. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I guess they're prior or I don't even know if it's prioritizing that, but I guess that's got the, uh, let's call it the better time slot, I guess. Um,
0: well, I actually, um, someone pointed out that the USFL is owned by Fox. So oh, of course they? they're going to oh. have a bit of preference to oh,
1: their I didn't, own thing. I didn't know that, but yeah, that makes sense. Um, but either way, like, I think if I, if I'm Alan Clark right now, like looking at going into next week, I think like 12 o'clock isn't, isn't like really isn't all that early. I mean, look, the arrows played half their games at 12 o'clock. Right. Mm. Um, but like, so 12 o'clock is kind of like, that's about as earliest as you would start and stuff. But I think if I'm Alan Clark right now, I put, I'm putting all the players on Eastern time, like month on Monday, right? Yeah. Like everything, like you run, you run the entire week, regardless of whether you actually travel out to, uh, New York, New York slash New Jersey, um w- no matter what day that is, it's like I feel like it's gonna be just operate the entire week like on Eastern time and then it'll at least feel like noon or heck, I mean, you know, operated on a different time zone. So maybe maybe it'll feel like three o'clock or something to them by the time they get yeah. there. But um, maybe just kind of start thinking. I would that's kind of how I would approach that week because we've we've seen um obviously MLR has played a lot of games that like plays a lot of games at like noon one. Um, which when those games end up being a West Coast team versus an East Coast team, right? That's uh nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning feel for um the West Coast team a lot of times. And we've seen the West Coast team not necessarily re- respond too well to those. So, I mean, I, th- I think if you're if you're Seattle, you can maybe maybe start trying to adapt yourself a little bit earlier and uh maybe get on that Eastern clock before even even heading out.
0: Yeah. And Arrows fans, especially, will n- remember when yeah. uh. They flew over to play Toronto last season in Atlanta, and that game had to kick off at uh, 10 o'clock due to uh, conflicts and COVID restrictions. And yeah, well, and well, the result was what a 50-point uh, yeah it was difference. A lot. So it was one of the yeah. biggest
1: wins the Euros have had. Yet. Yeah, and uh,
0: so uh, well, I'll say the arrows talking about that. Seattle are definitely remembering that. I'm yeah, like, oh, but maybe
1: we shouldn't do the same. Yeah, thing. but I mean, like that. That's what I mean, though, right? It's like do your best to try to get acclimatized to that, right? You're yeah. Like, it's the same thing like you hear like, I mean, you kind of hear other sport teams sometimes talk about like in the Stanley Cup final right now. It's it's always a discussion when there's a Colorado team involved, right? Sometimes you guys got to yeah. fly in a little bit earlier to get used to the altitude and stuff, right? Yeah, so you can you can kind of control the that time zone. If you got to play at 9 a.m. in the morning, you can maybe maybe adjust your time zone. So it feels like a little bit later, or maybe do everything earlier, get ready to play at 9 a.m. Right. So, I mean, it's. You can, yeah, and like, you know, like, work, like, to, it, you to, know bring it
0: to rugby, for example, even when it comes to like the World Cup. So, back in 2019, when uh, it was going on in Japan, you'd see like England and Wales having their training camps in
1: humid climates because when it was just, yeah, exactly. yeah, just so you get used know, to it. Like, I mean, I don't know if a week is enough time to really do this, but like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like there's not going to, nobody's going to watch the MLR final and whatever the result is going to be. Be like, well, if this game was played at 4 p.m. Pacific time, it would have made a world of difference. Yeah. Cause you know what we'll say? We'll be like, well, you know what? It wasn't played at 4 p.m. Pacific yeah. time. So um, this is the result that happened. But yeah. So I mean, congrats to Seattle, the team that always, yeah. always seems to uh, make their third final in four full MLR seasons. Yeah, And also the very first Western Conference champions, and they are also the first team to shatter the trophy. So well done, boys. Or who broke the trophy? Was it New York that broke the trophy or Seattle that broke the trophy? I saw somebody broke a trophy. Well, I think but
0: whichever team broke it, I'm sure they'll say, "Oh, but if we win the Shield, we make up for it, so it's okay." <laughs> yeah, um, it's yes. cool to
1: see the MLR uh, doing like the Western, Eastern Conference champions and actually having a trophy and stuff for it. Though. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think there was uh, a trophy last
0: year as well, but because it was just the one round before
1: the championship final.
0: Right. So it was, right. Uh, what did,
1: did I just say they're the first Eastern and Western Conference champion? Because that's totally. Yeah. Cool. Why did you let me get away with saying that? Well, I was, was going to correct
0: off. you. And yeah. Then, no, you're supposed
1: to but, correct. Me. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, no, as it, it's Seattle's first, it's first Western Conference Seattle title. First. Yeah. We'll pretend that that's what I meant. I've. <laughs> I, you, I know exactly. I know exactly what you meant. Yeah. You've been. Tri- you've been moving house. You've been moving elsewhere. Wearing. Well. Moving yeah. is
1: hiring. That's my. Experience. For that bold, I understand. I understand terrible mistake that I just made on this podcast.
0: Yeah. Well, no, it's a minor mistake, don't worry about it too much. But we have been focused on the Pacific Coast and we're now moving to the Atlantic coast because it is time we talk about the Eastern Conference final between the New England Free Jacks and Rugby New York. And this was a much closer affair. I think this is a pattern now that's coming out in the playoffs. The West it seems to be that Seattle will have like massive victories. And then in the Eastern conference, it's a trying testing game of endurance of who can hold out the most. And so we had new England starting off and uh, starting off with a drive by who else, but Bowden Walker, who's been magic for new England all season. Uh, and then, gets to convert his own try. He also scores a couple more penalties. Uh, but that's not to say that New York didn't uh, get onto the scoreboard, at least at some point. Um, when they were 10-0 down, uh, Bonasso was able to get over for the first try uh, for New York. Uh, Emery, again, back at the tee, um, getting the conversion, then getting a penalty. Only was able to get one penalty of the two that were available. But, you know, bringing the team to... Um, uh, 10, six, so it was like 10 13 at halftime. So, you know, uh, New England ahead, which is what they wanted to be, but New York a little uh, too close for comfort, so And sure enough, um, six minutes into the second half, Walker gets another penalty, taking it up to 16. But then finally, the New Jersey All Blacks come to play, and it is Milner Scudder over for the try in the 69th minute which is then converted by Sam Windsor. And then, so, you know, it's pretty close at this point. There's only like a few points difference from where they are. So they're only like 16, 17. So New England aren't out of the fight. But then in the 76th minute, it is uh, a guy who wasn't even listed on the opening video, but was uh, replacing Ed Fidow. In the starting lineup, it is, of course, the Canadian Andrew Coe going over for the try. Windsor with a conversion to seal the victory for New York. The final score, New England 16, New York 24. New York actually getting the double over New England after New England got the double over them at home. So,
1: yeah, it's, a uh, you know, sweet irony. Is this the part where I brag to you about calling this perfectly? And you picked the opposite of me, or no? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, this basically went down exactly like I told you, man. Uh, New York, New York's the uh, the road team, man. Like you gotta, they like that. They like that width, and obviously a couple of their tracers. Start- uh, well,
0: yeah. As in like, it's when, like we've, uh, when we've
1: when we spoken to
0: um the New York players, they said they yeah. uh, they prefer the width.
1: They of prefer other the width. How wide is Red Bull's arena, by the way? It's little-
0: oh, yeah. That's something else to mention <laughs> as well, because, yeah, because New York won and uh, apparently Hoboken was busy for something. Um, no. Idea <laughs> um, so they decided to just take a little trip down the road to uh, this little um, up and coming place called the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey. And, you know, tickets are on sale now. So if you are a Seattle fan in the New Jersey, New York area or If you're a New England fan and you want to see New York get beaten by the (laughs) Seawolves, tickets are available to everyone on Ticketmaster. You can go on the MLR website and on social media where you can purchase tickets there. And you can also, and actually, sorry, if you're a a New York um, fan and have been to any of the games this season, they have had their tickets released even earlier for, uh i think it's the season ticket holders for yeah. new york but you know even if you just went along for a few games and you're in new jersey this weekend and you're like i don't really know what to do around midday then you know get tickets i think tickets are priced at thirty dollars plus fees um it's ticket master so what do you expect <laughs> um but you know the 30 bucks to see the MLR final. That's a uh, pretty good
1: I, um Yeah. So from this game, obviously the big thing that stood out to me in this was Andrew Cole was just an absolute oh,
0: man of the match. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: man of just monstrous performance. Um obviously his two the two biggest contributions he had, he had that brilliant run in the build-up to Milner Scudder's try. And then obviously he you know which which gave new england after the conversion that gave new Eng- or that gave new york excuse me um mm-hmm. see my brain is still on I'm moving I'm missing i mean no, but, i mean what
0: have we got new york we've got new england new orleans You bantam
1: yeah it's up, one so. of the one of the new teams it's fine yeah um so yeah exactly so that milner scudder try that co-help set up with a brilliant run so that the conversion after gives new york the 17-16 lead and then Andrew Coe's try um, at the, you know, at the end of the game, um, 76 minute. That's the insurance that puts the uh, puts the final nail in the coffin. And, you know, uh, so just absolutely phenomenal performance from him. Um, just, you know, every time touch the ball seemed to make some magic happen. Unfortunately, on the other side, um, I guess uh, Canadian Regan O'Gorman, he had the, uh, the yellow card um, in the 73rd mm. minute to give. New York uh, a man advantage in which co-capitalized on um I guess there's a uh, a bit of controversy on that play because it looked like a uh, Curie Curie hit waka with a shoulder charge um, yeah. after um O'Gorman's penalty that resulted in a yellow but I I guess uh the the officials didn't like because of yeah. the first infraction yeah. Didn't whatever yeah, what I mean, happened what, that... what happened there yeah I I'm not
0: entirely sure. I think this is uh, something that will probably have been spotted by, well, it was spotted by the TV cameras, so it's pro- definitely been picked up by the sighting commissioner. And it may be that, uh, you know, he's uh, not traveling down to New Jersey for that uh, game at uh, the Red Bull Arena. So,
1: well, uh, I mean, O'Gorman wouldn't be traveling down there because he didn't get a yellow.
0: No, uh, the New York player.
1: Kyrie, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see what happens with that. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's. Like if it's only a, if that like there's probably only a yellow shoulder well, chart anyways. Which, well,
0: it's it's a shoulder, and it can be argued if it's yeah kind of contact with the head, so that would be a red card level offense, which would Is then it contact be contact
1: with up. the head. Is it? Yeah. I have to look at it again. Well, well yeah, that's the
0: thing. As in one interpretation of like, oh, it hits the shoulder, then moves up to the head. Some say it just yeah. comes connected directly yeah. with the head. Yeah, you know, it's a fine details, but uh, you know, it's yeah, something know. that's definitely would have had to been looked at after the game anyway.
1: I guess you do bring up a good point, though. Like, if that is something that is being looked at, I guess, yeah, you have to take that into consideration for um, New York heading to the heading to the final next week, seeing what the, that roster is going to look like. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they're obviously a team that loves playing a little bit of width, um, as obviously they're, they're two big tries um, to, to take the lead and then their insurance to put the game to bed where – Um, a lot where the, uh, the back three players kind of wreaking havoc and carving up the, uh, the free Jack defense. Right. So, um, like, like I said, I've said earlier, um, like, like Hoboken, like, I mean, for every, every issue that people always bring up with the pitch is like like the biggest one is that it's not wide enough. And I don't think that that's advantageous for rugby New York because I think they like to play this way. Right. Which is obviously we've mentioned this a lot. Um, so like, that's kind of the interesting thing. Cause you know, they've lost five games all year. Four of them were at home. Like they are a 500 home team. Yeah. Um, so like everyone was kind of like, there was obviously for a lot of like the aesthetics and people kind of worried about the image of the league. Cause it's going to be on national TV and they're going to be playing, playing like the possibility, I guess, of playing a game at a high school stadium and stuff. But it's like from a, from like a competitive standpoint like rugby, New York themselves are probably the guys that are the most fired up about this because that's going to be a field that plays to their strengths as opposed to um, what their home field actually is, which is the opposite of what a home field should be. But, um I mean, out, out of everybody's response, New York's probably the happiest guys to uh, to get um, for this move, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it like you said, it's playing into their strengths and, you know, it's designed for... Soccer as well, it's the um, home of uh, Red Bull New York. I mean, the clues in the
1: team name, Red Bull New York, Red Bull Arena. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, oh, I, I wonder I wonder if MLS fans yell at that owner for naming the team after a drink, too. <laughs> and he well, you know, I mean, named everything after his drink. That is true. That
0: is true. Um, and, you know, it's not the first time that we've had uh, rugby at the Red Bull Arena. For example, in uh, twenty. 10, the Churchill Cup hosted Uruguay versus Russia, um, the US versus France A, and the England Saxons versus Canada. It also hosted a game during the 2015 uh, 16 Premiership season. It's when the London Irish and Saracens came out to play uh, on the 12th of March 2016. Um, you know, draw grew ground like 14,000. Uh, most recently, it has been the location where the United States played Ireland in the 2017 uh, summer tour. So when the line tour was going on, Ireland came over to North America and played uh, the United States and that was at the Red Bull Arena. So it's not as though this is the first time we're gonna have um, hopefully no teething issues when it comes to, you know, setting up the posts and making sure that everyone's where they need to be. Um, And you know, I'm hoping for a good crowd for this, you know, big stadium, lots of concession stands available as well. Uh, do you know the largest um attendance figure for an MLR game?
1: Uh, was that like Utah, per, uh, including that like Utah preseason game in the first year. Uh, That's the I r- mean, yeah, if you if you want to include that, I'm, I think so. I think it was like a r- Oh, man, we should, I, I want to check. I feel like Utah had, like, one game randomly in their first year that was, like, 8,000, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm, um, so I just found well, it on Wikipedia, so. Um, oh, well, f- So how so that, far
1: off was I? I so know. that
0: game, oh, not far off, so that was, good, was Utah versus Glendale in a preseason exhibition, but that was at Rio Tinto Stadium, so this definitely, this wasn't yeah. Zions Bank Stadium.
1: Um, yeah. It's
0: so, a uh, much bigger capacity. I how believe. many people were there? So Rio Tinto can host uh, twenty thousand. It didn't fill twenty thousand, but nine thousand one hundred eighty-six oh, is the attendance. So it's off by thousand, okay. But uh, second place is the twenty twenty-one final, which had seven thousand three hundred eighty-nine. So that is the number it's that the New York need to beat: seven thousand three hundred eighty-nine. Even just seven thousand four hundred. Yeah, it's I'm, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I wonder if. Cause they just announced the venue today on Tuesday, which only really gives five people or which only really five gives days. People five days. notice. geez. Wow. Man, this is a rough go today. <laughs> um, so it only really gives people like five days notice. But so I wonder if that'll affect ticket sales, but I mean, at the end of the day too, everybody that would host the final would be on like seven days notice at most anyways, seven, eight days. Um, Cause yeah. the way it's structured, right. You don't know who's actually going to the final for like the week. Um, week before right so um i don't really know if that impacts it at all but i guess um like i i wonder like if it wasn't a new york hosting the final i i like i don't know if it would have been moved to like a different stadium if it was anybody else other than new york though
0: yeah because it would have well it would have been an eastern conference team and i think um veterans memorial stadium is more than capable of handling um, a large number of fans and and also New England does have a loyal fan base as well. And that's not to say that New York doesn't. It's just the fact that when your stadium's only um, limited to 1500 people, it's kind of hard to get like the big number. To Hopefully, back it it's up. Good. Hopefully it's a good final. I hope everybody gets out to it. But yeah, I mean, so that's the game. It'll be uh, this Saturday, uh, New York hosting Seattle at the Red Bull Arena. And if, you, uh, if you're like us, you're international, you can't uh, get there, uh, don't worry, it will be on the Rugby Network. And if you're uh, in Seattle and you know a flight to New Jersey is a bit out of your price range, it'll be on Fox Sports. So that's where you can watch the game. Alright, now we're going from the United States down to New Zealand for the final round of the Pacific 4 Series. And first up was Canada versus Australia. Now, it would be a big stretch for uh, Canada to get enough of a points difference to claim the first place spot. But also after that was USA versus New Zealand. So there's absolutely <laughs> no guarantee that uh, whatever they did would um, get them to where they need to be, even uh, if they did and- get it. And, you know, it didn't really go according to plan, so to speak. Uh, Australia got the first try of the game. Um should also mention that it was absolutely tipping it down with rain. Um fell throughout, again. throughout the game. It was mainly heavier in the first half, and I think that contributed to a, um, handling errors, penalty count up off the charts, and you know, it was a very stop-start game as a result. Um so for Australia got the first try, that was Masters getting it on the fourth minute with um Kramerling getting the conversion on the fifth, and then again. Um, penalty error allowed Kramer to get another penalty. So it was 10-0 uh, for the majority of the first half before Totosi was able to get over for a try in the 39th minute, and DeGoody was able to get the conversion. So 10-7 down at the break. So not out of it, but considering the conditions, there was also no idea what was gonna happen. Um, and then we have like the second half again errors creeping in um repeat infringements penalties given away uh, so there' was a line out now within like Australia's 22 and um Pelletier was able to get this in the 45th minute which gave finally gave Canada the lead um unfortunately that wasn't converted so that was just gave um, Canada, like a two point lead at this point. So, you know, anything can happen. You never knew which way, you know, you never know which way the ball will bounce. You never know which who's going to knock it on, who's going to miss a catch or every, anything like that. And then um, as the game went on, um, you know, uh, De Goody was able to get a penalty to um, give a bit more of a cushion. So uh, three points now, Um and then in the final 10 minutes, um, Australia got a yellow card, so that brought them down to 14 players before um, Ellis was able to get over for the final try of the game in the 77th minute. DeGoody was able to get the conversion and there was you know nothing really that Australia could do anymore at that point. The final score, Canada 22, Australia 10. So that wasn't the huge uh, point difference haul that uh, Canada needed to try and push for first but by getting the win they confirmed themselves at second place in the pacific four series and then you had usa versus new zealand uh, the final score from that game usa six new zealand 50 so new zealand um win their first uh, pacific four series and you know When you watch uh, games like this, you can obviously say that, oh, you know, this weather isn't that good. Uh, Hopefully by the time it comes around to the World Cup later this year, um, from what I've heard, it's going to be a bit drier because it'll be moving towards spring and summertime in New Zealand. So it'll be a bit drier. Hopefully we won't have a lot of like stop starts like we did with um, not only Canada, Australia, but also um, Canada, USA as well. But, you know, from what we've seen so far, I think there's uh, a lot to be proud of, but also a few things to work on as well.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, with the way this this tournament kind of played out, obviously uh, big wins against the United States and Australia. And as you mentioned, Australia had a 10-0 lead, right? It's 22 unanswered points, which is always always something you can be proud of. Um, And, you know, it's, um, you know, obviously a bit of a hiccup with that, uh, the shutout loss to New Zealand. But I think um, I think you know overall as a three game tournament here, like Ken, um, I think they can be proud of uh, what they put forth on the pitch. And like you said, there's plenty to build off of, and there's still a couple months going t- until the uh, till the Rugby World Cup, right? But um, you know, like uh, that—that's kind of the ult- ultimate thing, right? So you, you know where you kind of stand, and you know may- maybe uh, a l- got still so maybe got I guess got to raise the level a little bit to get with uh, the match the Black Ferns and then probably match England, but. Um, you know, plenty of positives from the the USA and Australian game, and I mean, there's some positives as well from the uh, the Black Ferns game too. And I think there's plenty there to be a uh, you know to work upon and build going forward as uh, we get cl- closer and closer to the Rugby World Cup.
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, considering the rate of um, how fast uh, England is going through their opponents, I think that it's uh, going to be a competition for second place or just making the final for. Yeah the other teams and um haven't i haven't looked over the schedule so i can't see how it falls of um will canada face uh, new zealand or england going into the final or will they face neither so they have a more direct path we have yet cool. to see but uh one thing we can talk about uh, which will be uh, much closer to the time before the world cup is the two tests that they'll be playing this summer first up against italy here on Vancouver Island, and then Wales a month later in Nova Scotia. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, opposite ends of the country, no uh, game in Toronto, unfortunately, <laughs> but, uh, you know, needs must. And, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, we've seen this women's te- well, we've seen it in how good this women's team is and what they can do. Um, we also have seen their, like, limitations and, well, and you know what I was going on about last week of um, the changes that uh, the women's team will need to make in the long term. Uh, so, yeah, we all know uh, our opinions on that. But, uh, you know, great results. Um, second, in now this in the first full edition of the Pacific Four series. After last year's Pacific Four series, that featured two teams. But, uh, you know, COVID <laughs> w- is still yeah. a thing. So. um yeah so we now go from the uh women's 15s to the men's 15s because Rugby yeah. Canada has confirmed their senior men's squad for their fixtures against Belgium and Spain this summer. So and they'll be playing uh Belgium at the Wanderers ground in Halifax followed a week later by playing Spain at TD Place in Ottawa. Uh there's some interesting additions so we have uh two new guys in the squad getting hopefully their first captain there's jack mcrogers as well as lindsey stevens both of them um the newcomers in but we've also had a few guys from the seven so we have cooper coates matthew awaru and brock webster all coming in um after being on the seven series this season and that uh that was a bit of a shock for me because i would be thinking that sevens guys would be having their focus turned towards not only uh, the commonwealth games but the final round of the hsbc sevens and then the sevens world cup in september and you can argue oh, yeah that but that's a few months down the line and i'm like sure but injuries are a thing and speaking of injuries wow the injury list for this is long mm-hmm. these are just some of the players that can't play and are uh, either injured or unavailable for selection um, Fossa DeWitt, Eric Howard, Kyle Bailey, uh, Matt Boca Moon, uh, Mason Flesh, Matt Heaton, Nakai Penny, Tyler Ardron, Siaki Vicki Lani, Shane O'Leary, Brenning Prevost, uh, Spencer Jones, David Richard, Deshaun Bowen, Matt Tierney, Andrew Coe, Jake Thiel, Phil Berner, Lockie Crotts, and Alex Russell. It's that a is a team. huge list. That's a
1: good team. That is a good team that can't play. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think I think obviously, kind of looking at this, yeah, a couple things um, that do, you know, that do really stand out is obviously, as you kind of mentioned, um, handful of sevens guys, handful of Pacific Pride guys, and then um, you also have a and bowed who um, impressed through like you know Coastal Cup and Coast to Coast Cup appearances lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You Know there's a you know a couple newer faces, but uh, Boud has eight caps previously, um, but hasn't really featured uh v- very recently either. Um, yeah, it's like but, five
0: years, since yeah, it's and it's been a while, long. yeah.
1: And um, but like obviously the injury list, I mean, the Toronto Aeros, we talked about their injury situation and. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Canadians on the Toronto Aero, so obviously that there's area over here. The thing that strikes me though, with because the, the list isn't injured, right? It's injured or unavailable.
0: Yeah, because we have
1: Andrew Cole on the list, and yeah, he's who? clearly Andrew, playing for the. Andrew New Cole, York. as we've just mentioned, he looks pretty good. Um, he, if if Andrew Cole is doing what is is injured right now, like I mean, yeah. he looks outstanding. Um, so I, I can't wait to see Andrew Cole play, not injured if he is injured, but I'm assuming it's just unavailable. In which my question would be obviously, obviously he's it's unavailable and not injured for him. Yeah. To which my question would be why, right? And I mean, maybe yeah. that's a personal thing I, uh, for yeah, Cole, maybe. and so be it if that's a personal thing for Cole. But also, yeah, my question is why. Um, similarly, though, the again to the injured or unavailable, like Evan Olmstead's name's not on this list. Will Priscillier's name's not on this list. Tyler Duguid's name's not on this list. Right, so like, what are, yeah. what are what are those guys? Are they like just not even yeah. considered? Like, what's you know what I mean? What? Like, how how like, um, I mean, obviously, Peter Nelson's the only European-based player that's on this team, right? Mm-hmm. And uh Tyler Ardron, I think Tyler Ardron and Matt Tierney are the only other two that are even mentioned.
0: Yeah, um, and, and then Tyler uh, Ardron as a shoulder. no.
1: Taylor Paris, Taylor Paris isn't mentioned on this either. Nope. Right, like where I.
0: Well, I think this comes back to when we were talking about the um, high performance review. Yeah. And saying how the uh, opinion of um, overseas players is.
1: I I wonder. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: is well.
1: I wonder I mean, if that's it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, either review. And I mean the the other thing too that we were talking about from the high performance review, if you want to bring that up, is also the seven stick right yeah what what's going on like is sevens a path to get to the 15s team is the fit like what like you know what i mean and it's like it is the the one thing that is mildly concerning looking at this roster is like i wonder if anything's actually changing right now yeah that's my initial thought looking at the roster to be honest with you
0: Well, I think with something along the lines of the high performance review is that they did state that if change is going to happen, it's not going to be quick, it's going to be great. Because that's the, you can argue and say, oh yeah, we want um, these sweeping changes to happen. And it's like, yeah, that's fine, but it's going to take a while for them to implement. For example, you know, guys in the sevens, for example, want uh game time but they can only do it on in sevens competitions and if the next competitions are the commonwealth games the um la sevens then the world cup yeah and they may say like look i'm fine i'm fit i'm ready to go i just need like a bit of game time and if the 15s are what i have to do so be it obviously after the world cup um looking ahead to. uh next um sevens uh tournament, including uh, preparations for the olympics coming up and maybe it can be restructured for that um mm-hmm. and you know it, it's things about like the long-term goals and stuff so you know that's that's my opinion on it I've, again i if i was a sevens player and i know there are a few sevens players uh listed like Lockie kratz for example um who uh, yeah, is injured right yeah well injured or unavailable so yeah done away but
1: souls there too as injured and unavailable that's another guy that's yeah. played a little mlR and sevens and stuff
0: yeah um
1: obviously uh two that one of the new caps that you mentioned um in Matthew Oruru, um he's also played sevens right he's played yeah. sevens and pride right so that's another guy that's kind of doing both too so um yeah. it, it's but, still it's uh, it's obviously something that's continuing I'm just it's interesting that it was yeah yeah I mean it's, it I've, is
0: something to keep note of because at the, yeah. Because if you want to change, you have to have um, accountability as well. And if we're pointing this out, that means that other people are going to be pointing out as well. And if the argument is look, the high performance review came out uh, less than six months ago, it's gonna take time. Sure, Obviously, fine. Yeah. No, whatever. It's take time. But if if we're asking the same question, you know, in two yeah, three, I, it's it's four once again, years, then
1: yeah. But like you so, said, it's like, once again, we're asking the question of like, well, where are all the European guys, European yeah. guys? Like, what are they doing? Um, especially since now, like a lot of them aren't even listed as injured yeah. or unavailable. Yeah. Right? And, um, I mean, top 14 guys are clearly playing for other nations right now too. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah. thinking thing to, it, it, if that is an issue, um, if that's an issue, it's definitely – especially since there's young players over there, it's it's something yeah. that Rugby Canada needs to address and fix. Absolutely, yeah. But let's talk about the guys that are here. Let's not dwell yeah. on the guys that aren't here. you yeah. gotta play. We've got to um, play.
0: Yeah. We've got a good Still. selection of uh, guys. For, so, um, what was it? It said that there's – well, there's obviously a lot of talent from MLR. Um Uh, In this squad, we have guys from Toronto Arrows, obviously. Um, (laughs) The Canadian Embassy at Old Glory is out in full force with uh, Fraser Ilnicki and... Campbell. Campbell. So I I, I must have gone past his name. (laughs) My bad. Sorry, Luke. Um, We (laughs) have uh, Hinge, San Diego. We've got uh, guys from the Free Jacks, um, L.A. as well, because, hey, if you're not in the... uh, playoffs then at least you can be available for national duty you've got um,
1: and with, that's uh, with the exception of the arrows i think la is the most represented team on here
0: yeah well they've got uh, thomas course, stevens thomas. sears duro and of course uh, yeah and of course ben lesage as well so you know I a mean, good pick uh, to have um and now that we've got a list of the uh, 30 guys that are going to be in the 15s, uh, Derek, why don't we go through a run through of who our starting 15 would be from this uh, team? So uh, let's start off with the front row. Who who do you have for that?
1: Um, So when I, when I was kind of looking at my team, um, I kind of went with if available, I want to like as we're kind of moving forward with rugby Canada and stuff, I want to. See what we got on some of the younger guys. So, okay, the, squad, the squad's going to lean a little bit like that. Obviously, there's some exceptions. Um, so, I actually my front row I went with Justice Sears, Duru, Jack McRogers, and Tyler Roland.
0: Okay, all right. So
1: I go
0: the, on. Yeah, my um, view of doing this game was I had uh, main loyalty to uh, Toronto, but I was also willing to mix it up and have like a few guys in different places but if it's a case of you used to play for Toronto I may pick you and but then again I'm I'm just having fun just I'm not a coach so just, uh, I've got an all arrows front row uh,
1: so I have Keith Quatrin and Roland so we both pick Roland so yeah yeah I, like, I mean I think Ro- Roland obviously I mean the reason I picked Roland really is the uh, there's two tight head props on this team right it's Roland and yeah. Mickey um yeah. Cole Keith can obviously play tight head, but um, from everything I've heard is that the Arrow, Arrows and Rugby Canada clearly want him as a loose head. So yeah. I'm treating him as a loose head. Um, so I'm going to go... So Roland, I'm starting at tight head just because he's the clearly the younger option. And I mean, I think um, Mick Rogers uh, has been outstanding this year and you know has obviously played his way onto the team based on his M.O.R. Um, performance. And I want mm-hmm. to... I mean, and it's not—it's not a knock against Andrew Quatrin. It's just that at the end of the day, these are two games that don't really amount to anything other than a test match, right? So, yeah. Um, so I think that's—they're uh, the perfect type of games to try some new guys and see what you got. So, um, I would just—I would start Quat, or I would start uh, Jack McRogers.
0: All right, Fair enough. Okay, let's move on to uh, the second row. So I chose uh, Larson and
1: Keys. Yeah, I uh, I went with Lars Larson because I mean, like I said, there's gonna be some exceptions to my youngness. Yeah. Uh, thing, but uh, number five, man, I'm putting uh, I'll put uh, Donald Carson in from uh, from UBC, right? So we'll uh, we'll get some guys. Let's get some guys, some uh, some you know, some of the younger players, to, uh, yeah, time and stuff. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, I get that. From- I'll be honest. The only reason why I went with Keys is so I wouldn't get mixed up between Larson and Carson. Because I had a feeling, I feel that if I was commentating on that, I'd be it's up to Larson, no Carson. Sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. All right. So it's like, you know, you know, you know what's crazy though is that there's like five Carsons, right? So, yeah. so I mean, they could all end up here at some point. Who knows? That'd be wild. That'd be a wild game calling on that one. Yeah, it's going to be like Wales and Jones. Yeah, exactly. It's
0: Jones to Jones, back to Jones, over Jones. All those to Jones? Joneses
1: aren't related, though. That's the other. That's that's part of it too. Yeah, I suppose so. All um, right, back row. All right, back row. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, well, like, well, this is the thing. We were talking about it like, um, earlier this year. Of like, you know, for a tier two nation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Canada has so much depth. Back, back good, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, um. Well, it obviously helps when uh, the head coach um, narrows down your options. So my choices are uh, Rumble and Smith as flankers. And then I have Thomas as number eight.
1: Yeah, so here's the thing. I think that is the correct back row if you're going off form right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, we got to get some young guys in this. Yeah. I think Smith, to me, still qualifies as a young guy. And I mean, Rumble's the captain. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, he's obviously. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Stop. Um, and Michael Smith has been—he won, um, uh, San Diego's Player of the Year award. Yes, Michael Smith was outstanding. We haven't mentioned that yet. Just a phenomenal season from Michael Smith, and he fully deserves to start this game 100%. And, and he's young enough that i don't even feel guilty about putting him there um so he's he's there rumbles the captain so that means the other the guy that's out to me is uh cory thomas so i'm gonna start matthew ororo who uh is an eight man when he plays 15 so um so is Caleb botcher but um i don't know i just picked or over botcher for no real reason but uh, uh you got to get one of them in the other one's going to be on the bench you can interchange them if you want it's fine
0: all right, we're moving on to halves now. So scrum half and
1: fly half. Uh who you have picked for that, Derek? Um this one wasn't very fun to pick just because it was limited options. Yeah. Um I went with Brody and Bowd. You said Brody and Nelson.
0: Yeah, well it's either um, Bowd or Nelson. Yeah. And, and then bro, and it's either Brody, Brody or Higgins, but Brody again, Higgins, loyalty yeah. to Toronto, so I'm going with uh, yeah. Brody. I think, I think Brody, Brody's better than Higgins, in my opinion. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I think Brody. Higgins has proven that yeah. um, if he needs to start a game, he
1: can, yeah. and um, oh, he's, no, very he's versatile he's as well. But, uh, I'll take Jason Higgins on the team. I'm not, that's yeah. not meant to be a knock, but I think Brody's the starter. Um, the one I think this is the one spot, though, we're looking at this team And then also kind of looking at the injury and unavailable list. Oh, my God. Do we need a fly half? Yeah. Like, it's – man, like, this is, like – man, we need a fly half. Like, this is brutal at this point. Um, Like, no, and I mean, like, no disrespect to Peter Nelson and Graydon Bowd. um, But – You just need the option. Like, yeah, you need – like, that was the thing. It's like, I mean, like, Will Kelly, you know – had some rough parts during this year, but I'm kind of surprised to not see his name here, to be honest with you. And I was thinking about that when I was surprised to not see his name there. And then I'm like looking at the names that are here and I'm like, Oh, like I just like Will Kelly is like, I I would like to see him there because I'm like, well, who else, who else do we got?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And I guess the answer is Peter Nelson, great and bowed, but it's like both of Nelson and bowed are, like both of them are good are born in 1992 which means they're turning 30 this year yeah both of those guys are going to be 35 by the time canada is allowed is by the time canada is able to compete in, the, in a world cup yeah gonna be 35 at the next possible canada world cup and it's like like i don't know like i'm looking at this and i'm like And and, and again, I'm not. uh, This isn't a comment on either one of them as far as the quality of player, but I'm just like we got to start looking at some younger fly half options and stuff, figuring out or figuring out how like how to develop fly halves and even scrum halves better. Because I mean, the the two scrum halves are uh, one guy's from South Africa, growing up through that system, and one guy's from Ireland, growing up through that system. Yeah. Right. So it's like there's got to be you know, I like kind has the struggle to get a fly half since Andrew Monroe. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's been a while. Right. And obviously, you know, you know, Phil, Mac Mack was with the Pacific pride program. And, you know, hopefully we're able to get a couple of, like scrum halves and stuff out of that Brody and Higgins are studs. Like I'm happy yeah. to, like to have them on the team. Um, right. But, um, yeah, it's uh, especially a fly half, man. Like if, uh, if, if a guy, if like, if Will Kelly is not going to be able to make this team, then, yeah. um, like it's, it's starting to be like, and Shane O'Leary, I guess is listed as unavailable, but I mean, based on Kingsley Jones's previous record, I don't think he would have been picked anyways. Um, yeah. and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely the most glare. It's the biggest, it's the biggest glaring hole on, the, on yeah. the team. Um, right now to me is the flat half position and, or about, I'm going to start bowed just because I haven't seen him play as much as Peter Nelson. So I'm okay. going to go with him.
0: All right. So let's now do the... Do you want to do wingers or do you want to do centers? Let's do centers. We'll do the... Okay. Yeah. Um, so this so was... I have uh, the other captain, Lesage. Yeah. Listen, um, as do you. Um, but I've gone with Fraser and you've gone with Nawali. Yeah. And um... Yeah, I, I can see that.
1: Yeah, um again, um it's I'm favoring the younger players on this one and um Frazier's had uh had a great old season with Old Glory and played his way back onto this roster. So, um you know, congrats to him. Um but I think it's the same. I think Nawadi and Lesage, Um I mean, Jones, Spencer Jones is hurt, so it's probably be Jones and Lesage. Yeah. But, like Jones Lasage Nawadi, I think like that's kind of like the centers of the future for Canada. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, like that's that's where I'm going with the with that lineup. Um to me. Uh,
0: yeah, and I agree, I agree. Um Lesage obviously not just for being a co-captain, but you know, had a fantastic season with LA. Yeah. We know how good he's been from uh his games uh with Toronto and Canada, and and you know, Frazier. Fraser had a fantastic, especially fantastic second half of the season. Obviously, first half didn't go so well for DC, but you know, Fraser was still there putting in the effort, putting his body on the line. And I think he's I think he's earned a starting position. Well, in my team, list, at least. Uh, okay. All right, let's move on to uh wingers. So we both have Webster on our wingers, but then we've mixed it up a bit. So you have Olsen. On the
1: wing, and I have kind of a Lloyd. Yeah, my um my whole thing too, going back to um, I'm favoring the younger guys and you know, same with with Lloyd. I think uh like Lloyd's gonna be over 30 as well by the time the next you know Canada's gonna be able to compete at the next um World Cup. So um yeah. I'm thinking it's it's time to you know what I mean like it's it's time to yeah, start yeah. in what you got in the next generation, right? And that's Again, that's my only real reason for going with a lot of these guys. So, yeah, I'm going Olsen, Olsen, uh, Webster, and then I'll, I'll spoil my fullback. My fullback's going to be Coates, too.
0: Yeah, and finally, we have the fullback options. Uh, so I've gone with uh, the Houston uh, format, Rob. Yeah. And yeah, I mean. Povey's yeah, Povey. that's, oh
1: yeah. I I don't have necessarily an issue with that. Yeah. Anything on your on your bench that you uh kind of want to point out? Uh I did don't do a bench.
0: Well, I didn't do a bench, I just did the so, starting 15. Yeah. But I mean, like I would have Nawadi on, I'd have coats on, I would yeah. have uh Baud on as well. Uh I'm not sure if I'd do a 4-4 or 5-3. I definitely know I'd have those. I would have Um, Carson McRogers, um, yeah, uh, Duru as well. And I, yeah,
1: I I just didn't go into the bench that much. I did, I did Quatrain Keith, Hill, Nikki, Thomas, Botcher, Higgins, um, uh, Fatoric, and Frazier was my bench. Um, okay. Um, like I said, I like Fatorik, Botcher definitely get the young guys. I te- was tempted to go Liam Murray and then put Cole Keith as a tight head, um, but I'm just not yeah. sure that that's something that Rugby Canada would do, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, well, well, we're not coaches for Rugby Canada. We're yeah. just Il- Nicky yeah. be in the uh, be in the other tight head prop kind of put that one in, and Keith's still young enough that I yeah. I don't have him there instead of Murray, but. Um, But yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of, I don't know. My philosophy on it is like, it's time we have to turn the page and stuff. So um, especially in games that are just kind of test matches um, and uh, building towards a trophy or any sort of tournament. Um, uh, Yeah. Like, I think this is the perfect time to get some of the younger players in and, you know, it's uh, as tough as that injury list is to look at, it's, you know, it's also one of those things that opens the door for some of these younger guys to maybe make this lineup and, Hopefully, a whole bunch of them uh, take some opportunities and run with it.
0: Yeah. So, actually, um, something to mention that because uh, we're recording this podcast on Tuesday instead of the regular Monday, uh, we put out a question to our fans and just asking if they had any questions they want us to answer. And CC Payne actually asked us what is our starting 15 for um, the test matches against uh, Belgium and Spain. So, there you go um but cc Payne also asks who replaces kingsley jones so uh the way it looks at the moment is that kingsley jones will remain as head coach until after the 2023 men's rugby world cup but and you know this is going to be a big search to do because obviously the coach of the men's 15s team will have a lot that needs to be done they'll need to be able to prepare the team coming up for the um, qualifiers for 2027. And, you know, after what's happened over this World Cup cycle, you know, the work needs to be done. So I'm not going to say this as, like, this is going to be accurate, but more a question of who would you like to replace Kingsley Jones as head coach? Uh, Derek, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? Uh,
1: my first thought is who says he's going to be replaced? um It's just what we all fans all kind of assume Mm. Fans seem to want it. But I mean, I still I still go with like that if you're going to do it, the time to do it was now or like previously in this offseason. I know the argument for it is because when a lot of the times when, you know, sports coaches get um, quote unquote fired, right, you still got to pay out their contracts and stuff. And I know that maybe the argument going forward is that that might be expensive to do. Um, but the other question is also like, what do you value more time or money? Like, are you willing to give up a year because you don't want to like pay out, you know, pay for a different coach to come in while you're paying Kingsley Jones's contract. Um, but you also, you know, if there is a new coach that would come in um, Then, like you know, you would lose out on a year of the players maybe learning that coach's system or that coach being integrated into Rugby Canada as well, right? So yeah, uh, def. So I mean, I'm kind of, I think it's like, so I'm kind of like, yeah, like I don't, I don't even know anymore if he he is going to be replaced because I, I feel like to me at the time to do it already happened. It feels like to me it's like I, I kind of treat, I'm looking at this the same way I look at like a Vancouver MLR team where it's like as much as everybody is going to go online and say that they want it. um, uh, I'm not going to uh, believe it until it actually happens because there's been uh, there's been nothing presented to me to show that it is. All right. All right. Well,
0: okay. So in this case, so
1: hypothetically, hypothetically, Rob Howley seems like the next guy up, but um, I, I still even wonder if that's, if that's the best call to be honest with you. But that seems like the...
0: I am going to go all out there. I'm going to say, you know, he's had a few years. He's gotten countless um, super rugby titles with Crusaders. So I'm saying that I would like to see the new Canada men's uh, head coach be Scott Robertson. All from Crusaders? Yeah, let's, let's just have a bit of fun. Let's say that he's like, hey, you okay. know, as much as I can with the Crusaders, I'll shake up the system. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Is, is he looking for a new gig or is he? I think he's currently under contract until the end of the 2023 season. So that's why I'm like, okay, let's, uh, there we go. Yeah, uh, you know, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm sure, uh, New Zealand will do. Everything within their power to keep him within the fold, but you know, we know it's all hypothetical. So let's just have a bit of fun. Yeah, can, can
1: uh, give them a reason to dance. Everyone wants. Yeah, to
0: be nice. Yeah. Just want to see the spin of Rooney. Yeah. Uh, every, I- every time Canada win,
1: there we do get a spin of Rooney on the pitch. I like that. I went dark and grim with my answer, and you were less like, "Yeah, Super Rugby champion head coach over and yeah. over." again. like, that was good. I like your answer much better than mine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, now we had a
0: question from Raheem. He said, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. With the MLS TV rights going to Apple TV, and therefore that means the Canadian teams are removed from TSN, could that mean more time for the Arrows on TSN? And this is, I mean, it's a great um, sentiment, and it would be lovely to see more rugby on TSN, uh, especially the Arrows. However, Because of the ownership of uh, TSN and its relationship with um, MLSE, I don't believe so. Also, um, rugby as a whole still has to buy its TV time from broadcasters, including TSN. So I can see the arrows uh, next season. It'll probably be the exact same format. Home games will be shown on uh, the TSN channel, but... Uh, away games will be on tsn.ca or the tsn app um i would like to see more arrow stuff i'd like to see the return of um arrows in an hour um during the off season i think that would be great um especially as uh more matches are hosted in toronto so you have more depth of um what you can show and then it's something that um you know can be shown that uh, fans can come across however um, should also mention that with uh, TV rights going to Apple TV, I mean we already have something similar in the rugby network, but as um, sporting rights and uh, these things become bigger and bigger, and hopefully as MLR becomes bigger and bigger, um, will it be in the case of the rugby network gets bought out by a, I wouldn't say a competitor, but another digital platform? so to speak, would someone be interested in buying that? Um, obviously Amazon have shown interest with uh, the Autumn Nation series. And so there is a rugby audience and it seems as though things are moving away from uh, traditional linear TV. I mean, just look at the Women's Six Nations now, that's uh, sponsored by TikTok and their output has in- resulted in more and more um, Fans come into women's rugby matches. So maybe it's a case of just finding these different avenues to go down. And mm-hmm. that's how it becomes more profitable. Um, but to answer the question, I don't think for the time being it'll be more hours on TSN until it gets to the point where a US broadcaster um, wants to purchase the broadcasting rights to the league. We're still going to be in this situation of local broadcasters for home games and uh, digital platform for away matches.
1: I'm going to go like, so I apologize to Raheem. But I, don't, I don't really follow the MLS or soccer that much. So um, I'm not uh, completely certain to what um, the story that he's referring to as far as, um, so Stu, is it is it like the Canadian MLS teams are on Apple TV now? So like
0: all, that. so the rights for all MLS uh, all MLS games, yeah, will be on Apple TV next season. Oh,
1: okay, so then Raheem Sam because of that, yeah, the MLS won't be on TSN. Gotcha. Yeah, um, which and
0: the interesting thing is because Toronto FC is owned by MLSE.
1: Yeah, so they're only just been
0: highlights on TSN.
1: If well, not. I mean, yeah, there's going to be uh, every sports channel does highlights of the stuff that they don't have their rights to, anyways. That's how yeah. that all works. Um, but I, I, I think I think that would actually, because I mean, when, when does the MLS season start? Uh, so oh. I let me just had a quick
0: scan. So it's currently running from February to October. Okay, right. With cool. the
1: Cup Final being in November. So and. Does the MLS do the same thing as like the MLR? Like, do they play most of their games on the weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but they do have a conference system, so they do have the Eastern Conference and the Western yeah. Conference. Um, but what and, are they? They play like once or they play like what once or twice a week? I think yeah, you know, a lot like of weekends? twice, yeah, twice a week. Yeah. Or, uh, so or... I'm, I'm going to say yes that this. I I think. That if if TSN is out MLS and I mean if TSN has been is out so many things that they used to have now, um they have less NHL games than they used to have. Um they don't have the uh, they don't have the rights to the Blue Jays because that's Sportsnet, um right and Rogers completely owns that team. They only get like half the Raptors games. Um they get some lacrosse and you know a few. So I think like. I think if they're losing soccer now too, like I think that does open up the door for a lot more arrows games to be on other channels. Because one of the biggest sports that conflicted, especially with a lot of those arrows like away games and stuff, was the MLS. It was like the MLS and UFC Mm. were the two biggest, like time, um, I guess, conflicts that TSN opted to go with. Um, you know, uh, the, the, well, the more well-known property, I guess. Right. Um, but I think, I think if there's, if, if TSN's losing another property here, then I totally think that it opens up the door for like more rugby related content. Right. Like, uh, like they're showing that they're, they're happy with like, they're obviously, you know, have, they obviously have, a lot of some interest in rugby, right? So they show like the super rugby games, they're showing the Pacific four, they're showing world rugby, things like that. And, you know, they've obviously been showing all the arrows games and all, and um, MLR during the years, right? So if they're down another property, then yeah, that could be an opportunity for T for uh, the arrows and the MLR in general to jump in on, on psN because they're, they're going to need something to, you know, fill some gaps, especially since, they don't have any of the rights to the NHL playoffs, so once it hits April for them, like one of the biggest things that they can broadcast is no longer available to them. So I, I think it could if they're uh, if if TSN continues to kind of lose properties and stuff, and yeah, like the MLR could be something that shows up more on uh, more on TSN.
0: Okay, that's an
1: interesting question.
0: Think about it that way. All right, next question comes from Pro Sports Podcasters, and they ask, if Seattle wins the championship final, do we put an asterisk next to this title because of the disqualifications? And uh, my answer is no, because um, you can argue that, yes, Austin um, finished in table higher, and LA finished in the table higher, and technically uh, Seattle were eliminated, Um in the penultimate week of the regular season, mm. however, um, if you want to make the uh, championship series,
1: don't break the rules. Yeah, I, I tend, like, I think that's going to be one of those things, right? Where it's, um, do you put an asterisk on it? Obviously, obviously, it's kind of a weird year, but I think like the, if you want to talk asterisks, I think one, I think it's going to come down to. Um, what ultimate, like, I mean, the pub, it's obviously, obviously, there's no actual asterisks, but like, as far as public opinion, right? I think it's going to come down to when we actually find out what happened between yeah. Adam Gilchrist, the two teams, and Major League Rugby. Um, and if it comes out as to what happens, and the fan base and the public in general look at it as like, oh, like, well, yeah, you guys deserve that punishment. Then yeah. obviously it won't. If it comes out where we're like, oh hey, maybe that's a little harsh, then yeah. this conversation might come up. Um, but I think too, the other the other side of it too, it's like, I mean, if you want to talk asterisks, I mean, I think if if I don't personally believe that this is gonna necessarily have an asterisk on it. Um, but because like you said, right, it's like if they're if like the two teams are like cheating the whole time, then like the if they're if much if they're cheating, then like if LA won, then we would have an, a slap an asterisk on it too, right? Like, yeah. um, but it's like I think also it's um the 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 unfortunate thing is is it does it's uh it's obviously as we kind of mentioned, it's not the best look for the league. And I mean, um, knee uh from Pro, pro Sports Podcasters kind of worded the question of if Seattle wins, um, would you have an asterisk? But I mean, there's gonna be people that's like if New York wins yeah I'll still say it's an asterisk because you didn't beat LA or you didn't beat Austin right like
0: then my my rebuttal is you can only play who's in front of you
1: you can only play who yes you can only play who's in front of you and stuff and 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 that that is that's fair and like I said I don't think I don't think that it's going to be um for that reason right it's like if it's if it's deserved then if that punishment the dqs deserved then it's deserved but I guess we're gonna have to we might have to wait and see on that um oh, at the end of the day though if they do win it's hilarious yeah. no matter what it's hilarious if they you say there's a team that went well got mathematically eliminated from the postseason that somehow won their third title in four years hilarious yeah that's hilarious um no matter yeah so. Um, I, don't think there, I don't think ultimately, I don't think there's going to be an asterisk, but um, I guess the real answer to that question will come when we find out the results of um, the MLR versus Adam Kilchrist and his two teams.
0: Um, and finally, the last question that we received was from Bataz Hoys. Uh, what do you think of the MLR final being played at the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey? And are you thinking of making a quick trip down to
1: watch the game? Unfortunately, I will not be making a quick trip. Uh, Stu, you? Unfortunately, not as well. I already have plans. Uh, I just,
0: uh,
1: yeah, I just, um, I said it's like probably poor planning on my part to move during the uh, MLR playoffs, but um, it's a bit of a bit of a financial um, uptake as well as I'm sure anybody that's moved knows. There's always some like uh, on on. unaccounted for costs that end up uh creeping up or unanticipated costs i guess better word um, yeah. that end up creeping up so i will not be attending the uh the MR final um i think we kind of talked a little bit earlier about uh thoughts on yeah, it yeah well, we, um, yeah ultimately it, i like it like ultimately yeah. it, it's nice um i think it's uh it's definitely an upgrade on jfk stadium and absolutely yeah i agree um, with
0: that
1: but nope. I,
0: I'm going to say I don't think that it should be used as uh, New York's stadium like for next season. Yeah. like no, for- I, It's still, and this is, a, it's the same thing with like the Coliseum or um, yeah. Choctaw Stadium or things like that. It's big. A- MLR's um, average fan attendance, I
1: think you could probably push for like 5,000 current that- numbers. The five uh, to seat stadium seems to be the yeah. spot for MLR teams, but yeah. um, yeah, like it's uh, but obviously you know you got to go with what your options and stuff are, right? And obviously, like mm. for example, like the Jackals have that that ownership tie to the Texas Rangers or uh, whoever used to play in that uh, um, that that stadium there, right? So
0: yeah,
1: it's um, you know, there's reasons to do it. I mean, either way, ultimately, I really like it because obviously, you know, if you're gonna have the game nationally nationally broadcast in two countries and then the rugby network around the rest of the world and stuff it's the biggest game it's the biggest stage that your league can offer um you know perhaps a high school venue um yeah it doesn't really home of the red of the red wings written everywhere and you know people always do comment on the lines i personally don't think it's that big of a deal but it it does take away a little bit of the rugby aesthetic from it. And, you know, there are elements of JFK stadium that I do like. Like I like the basketball courts and the weird, uh, I know it's in New Jersey, but it's got a kind of a cool, like how, how you envision New York kind of vibe to it, but ultimately not the best stadium for actually playing rugby. Like we've, we've mentioned that it's probably not even good for New York's play style. Um, no. because it is narrower so i do like the move obviously things like the camera angles and you know the facilities for the players the facilities for the medical staff for the coaching staff for everybody's going to be much better um yeah. my, it'll probably give it a little bit more of a finals appeal which is great mike my, my question is though is i wonder if this makes the MLR kind of rethink some of their stadium criteria and stuff, right? Because it's like, I'm imagining Red Bull for a Sunday afternoon is not the cheapest thing, right? Um, It's even
0: more expensive on the Saturday afternoon, probably.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? So, I mean, I'm going to imagine it's not the cheapest um, option for them. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, in a sport, in a league where... The, the championship and the biggest games go to whoever has the most points in the standings. Um, every stadium in the league could potentially be hosting a, a final, right? Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's something that going forward, the league kind of has to think about is just like, yeah, do we want this on national TV? Like, is this the image that our league wants to project? And I mean, if it like you have something like San Diego, who at least with uh, with San Diego, you can go you have the, uh, while well, they're waiting for their stadium to be built. Yeah. Which, fair enough, right? Um, but, like, New York, uh, I guess New York's always just seemed to be constantly trying to figure out their stadium situation. Hopefully, they get that resolved soon. But I wonder if I wonder if the league's kind of, you know, maybe looking at some different options if they don't want yeah. to have that. Um, and, I mean, it's the same. I mean, it's honestly, it's crazy because it's something that, like, the NHL is facing next year, too, because they're going to have – the Arizona Coyotes playing in the 3000 oh, no. college arena, right? Which, similarly to the NHL, right? And, I mean, the Coyotes are trash. Um, yeah. But, like, in theory, they could make the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And if you're the NHL and you're approving them to be allowed to play in this 3,000-seat college arena, then you have to be prepared for the fact that the biggest games of your season – Right, are going to yeah. be played in a three thousand seat college arena. Yeah. Right. So, a... um, I, I, I just, I wonder if it, if it, uh, if going next year, if it changes up a little bit of the, uh, the standards for uh, what M L R stadiums are going to have to be because, um, renting out Red Bull probably isn't the cheapest option for M L R, and um, you know, maybe they would, uh, would would you know, maybe they'd prefer to, you know, have you know, everybody be playing stadiums that they're cool with being on national Yeah, TV.
0: Yeah, but uh, ultimately, I think we both agree it's going to be a good game to watch for the championship final. And that brings us to our predictions for the championship final. Now, we did put a poll out on Twitter. Uh, we received 31 votes, uh, with 61.3% saying that Seattle are likely to win, and only 38.7% saying New York. Um, so we're gonna mix it up a bit because instead of doing uh, different uh, who's just who's going to win we're gonna have a few other things as well so uh, we have first try uh, first penalty and then championship of who's going to win the uh,
1: championship itself
0: mm-hmm. um, so Derek who do you th- which team do you think is going
1: to score the first try which team or uh, just team not player yes just, um... just team and yeah I think i'm I think I'm gonna say New York will get the first try um I think yeah New York will get the first try probably like a Dylan fawcett mall but New York
0: yeah I'm gonna go with uh New York as well i think uh I know that um Seattle does have a great attacking platform, but it also seems like it takes a while for them to get fired up so I'd say uh first try New York as well. Now we have first penalty. I was going to say first kick, but then a conversion is a kick, so I'm just saying um, first. Oh, so I'll make it clear: first penalty kick to um, go over the bar. And you know, with the way that Alatimu has been playing, <laughs> that's exactly gonna what I was
1: going to say. Gonna be, <laughs> sorry, so, are I'll you going to pick Seattle as well? Yeah, I just said the team with AJ Alatimu on it, It's going to.
0: All oh. right, but and now we have the big one of. Which team is going to win the championship? Derek, who do you have?
1: Well, I mean, because I so masterfully called last week's games. um, And then on our podcast last week, I said New York-Seattle was going to be my final. And then if it came down to it, I was going to pick Seattle. Didn't account for Red Bull's arena when I made that prediction. But just because I made it last week, I feel like I have to stick with it. So I'm going to go with the Seattle Seawolves um to you know get their third championship in four se- four MLR full MLR seasons um no asterisk knee and um a lot of hilarity though yeah it's, it's kind of funny let's be realistic it's kind of funny so because it's
0: now a wider pitch and also because i don't want it to be we've just picked the same thing three times maybe <laughs> the point useless And because uh, they won't have to travel across three different time zones to play this game, I'm going to say that uh, the 2022 MLR champions will be New York. Go All Blacks. Yeah, the New Jersey All Blacks. (laughs) (laughs) and if you're looking to watch the final and you are not in the united states you can watch that on the rugby network and if you are one of our listeners south of the border it will be on fox sports uh derek and i have given our predictions but if you're looking for the toonies predictions you can find that on our TikTok account at LaRouge Rugby. You can find us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LaRouge Rugby. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can listen to more on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to watch videos of the podcast, as well as clips of our interviews with um, Canadian players in Major League Rugby, you can do so on our YouTube channel again at LaRouge Rugby. Derek, where can the lovely people find you on social media?
1: Uh, I'm at Percent the Jet across all social media platforms. And uh, thanks to everybody that uh, submitted a question for uh, the podcast this week it's uh, they're fun to they're fun to answer. Always some fun conversations, and uh, should probably uh, do this a little bit more often absolutely and you can find me on
0: social media mainly Twitter and Instagram at Hardman spelled H4RDMAN and if you have any other questions you can send that um, either to at the Rouge Rugby or to our social media channels that we've just given well Derek I think that's time to call an end to this week's edition of the podcast thank you for joining me and thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast we hope you can join us again next time